Thank you for joining me for another episode of Crossfire Faith and Gaming. I'm recording outside my studio this week, so I hope the sound is okay. But this week, Reverend Steve Petty, my father, takes us through the devotional of Wednesday of Holy Week, a day that is normally not filled with anything else. And so I invite you to just listen as he discusses the anointing of uh, Jesus by the woman at Bethany and discusses the concept of gift giving. I especially love his questions about when was a time that you have given a gift or received a gift, and what does gift giving tell us today? I hope you enjoy this week's devotional. Walk with Jesus, Class 5, Wednesday of Holy Week. Most biblical scholars have determined that the Gospels are silent on Wednesday. It is as if nothing happened. After the excitement, the emotional ups and downs of Tuesday, perhaps they just needed a day of rest. When we do that, we lose this wonderful story of the woman's gift, or the anointing at Bethany. By placing it on Tuesday or Thursday, it gets lost against the more powerful stories on those days. So I have plucked it from Tuesday and placed it here on Wednesday. After wrestling with all the events of Holy Week, I truly think it belongs here on Wednesday, the evening before the Passover meal. Mark 14, verses 3 through 9, The Woman's Gift. We were in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. Jesus was relaxing at the table. When a woman came to Jesus with an alabaster jar of costly perfume of pure nard, she broke the seal and poured the ointment on his head. Some who were sitting there were enraged at this act and scolded the woman. Why did you waste this ointment on him like that? We could have sold that jar. It would have brought money to help the poor. Maybe 300 denarii, maybe more. But Jesus defended her. Leave her alone. She has done a nice thing out of her love for me. Why do you want to demean that? Sure, you might have given it to the poor, but tomorrow they would still be poor. She showed her kindness to me today, and you will not always have me with you. She has treated my body for burial by this anointing. Whenever people proclaim the message I have shared with you, they will remember what she did for me today. Also Mark 14, 10, and 11. Judas was upset by Jesus' words and went immediately to the temple priests, hoping to betray Jesus. When he told them what he wanted to do, they were so pleased they promised to give him money when they got a hold of Jesus. So Judas started to look for a secret way to betray him. Wednesday in the other Gospels. Matthew tells the same story here, almost verbatim. Luke omits the story entirely. John tells the story six days before Passover, just before Palm Sunday, and identifies the woman as Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Mary anoints Jesus' feet and wipes them with her hair. The rest of the passage 
is similar to Matthew and Mark. The Rest Day I think Wednesday became a day of rest. On Tuesday, Jesus had accomplished his mission to confront the temple authorities, and they will still not listen to him. They know that he is attacking everything they stand for, and they feel the threat, and they feel his popularity with the crowd. He has made plans to hold his Passover supper with the disciples on Thursday. He only has to wait around a bit for Judas to find an opportunity to betray him, so he will goad him on Thursday, and he is sure Judas will act. So Wednesday is a day of rest and recovery. For Jesus, it is his last day of freedom. For the disciples, it is a day to try to digest and understand all that just happened on Tuesday. What did Jesus mean by all those stories of the end? Late in the day, perhaps just before dinner, a woman enters with a beautiful alabaster jar of perfumed oil made of pure nard. Now, an aside here. I checked. A 16-ounce sample jar of spikenard perfumed nard today sells for about $420. The manufacturer waxes eloquent about its qualities. It says, Incredibly grounding. Spikenard oil is a wonderful choice for meditation and relaxation, as well as a perfect choice to promote sleep. It is known for its ability to increase blood flow making it a popular choice for those battling circulation conditions. In skin care, spikenard is revered for its powerful cleansing and purifying properties. A few additional things to note. The Gospels don't make a lot of fuss about the woman who traveled with Jesus because, unlike the customs of his time, Jesus spoke with women and men and children with familiarity and warmth. We know that women were often present at events in Jesus' life. They come and go with little regard for their propriety. Here, for Peter, it is not noteworthy that it is a woman who enters and talks to Jesus and brings an alabaster jar with her. It is only noteworthy when she opens the jar and pours it on Jesus' head, and we presume she poured all of it, for that would have been extravagant. If she had only poured a little bit of the monetary loss might have been overlooked. But it was an expensive jar, and expensive oil with perfume added to it. The fragrance would have filled the house. When Peter tells the story, it is a woman, and it is some in the house who complain. Peter does not want to cast dispersion upon anyone. Judas will come into his own judgment for a far greater offense. But when John tells the story, he names names. It is Mary who pours, and it is Judas who objects. While this may seem probable, John's gospel was written nearly a hundred years after these events, and he was not present. Peter was present, and chooses not to tell. And maybe we should let it be, as he prefers to tell it. Also note, Jesus defends the woman. When I read the scripture, I often try to add the correct emotional tone to go with the events, the people, the choice of words. Here it is impossible to tell exactly what Jesus' mood is when defending her. First, his response is swift. 
Let her alone, some say. Why are you bothering this woman? While that is a question, I feel the statement is more appropriate. The New Revised Standard Version says, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? So maybe it was both. Either way, he was not about to let their whining go on. Surely, they were feeling grumpy, but that is no reason to attack her. Jesus stops the complaining immediately. So, is it anger? Is it annoyance? Is it tiresome? Or is it simply feeling disagreeable? What tone do you associate with Jesus in this encounter? Perhaps all the above. He has shared with them again about his coming death, and they are still unwilling to accept it. So he was just trying to ignore them anyway. But when they lash out at this woman, who is simply doing a loving kindness, Jesus reacts to shut down any further discussion. Finally, we get so hung up on the monetary gift of the oil that we tend to overlook the physical gift of compassionate touch. Jesus is exhausted. He has been climbing a physical and emotional mountain, and he is not to the top yet. There is more to come, and he has predicted what that will be, so he is fully aware of where all this will lead. He is reclining at table, maybe just picking at a plate of munchies. This wonderful, loving woman, with enough resources to buy the perfume, enters the room and, opening the jar in front of everyone, lavishes it on Jesus' head. I imagine Jesus' eyes close, his head rolls back, his shoulders relax. The oil feels wonderful. The loving hands massage his head and hair as the oil shampoos and cleanses his skin and hair. It is relaxing. It is overwhelming. It is so very, very nice. I think Jesus was enjoying everything about that moment. And then they spoiled it. The Precious Gift With any gift, there are always two parts, the giving and the receiving. I was really bad at both. Perhaps you were too. Learning to give and receive gifts is one of the most important things we do in life. It isn't helped by all the conventions or expectations that come with gift giving. Appropriateness, cost, situational awareness, sexual overtones, reciprocation, and appreciation. It almost makes you want to never give anyone a nickel because it might be misconstrued. It was harder still for me to accept gifts. I was raised under a stern regime that believed all gifts have strings attached, all appreciation is insincere, and all gifts given are inadequate. That made it really hard for me. It also made it really hard for anyone else to give anything to me. The December 10th, 1905 edition of the New York Sunday World carried a story by O. Henry. Its original title was The Gifts of the Magi. Still, over a hundred years later, it is a masterful story of love and gift-giving. A young couple living in a small apartment are struggling to get by. 
They find themselves on Christmas Eve without resources to purchase gifts for each other. The young wife, Della, counts out her dollar and 87 cents and weeps because it will not buy much of a gift. Her husband, Jim, prized his grandfather's pocket watch above all possessions, but it lacked a chain, and Della wanted to give him a gold chain for Christmas. Jim, who used to make a better living, is struggling to get by in these hard times, too. Jim knows that Della's greatest pride is her beautiful long hair. She has long admired a set of tortoise-shell combs with inlaid jewels that is displayed in the local store window. The combs are the perfect color to adorn her lustrous long hair. On Christmas Eve, as Jim arrives home to share his surprise, he is himself surprised to find his beautiful bride wearing tight, short curls. She has sold her hair to buy him the watch chain. When she hands him the chain, there is no watch to connect with because he has sold the watch to buy the combs. The young lovers have given their most prized possessions to buy the perfect gift for the other. The gift given not of obligation, but love, is always more valuable than its cost in coins. O. Henry notes that the gifts of the Magi brought to the Christ child were wise gifts. They were, after all, wise men. But the gifts of the young couple were wiser still. For though they seemed to be now worthless gifts, she had no hair for the combs to adorn, and he had no watch for the chain to secure. Yet their gifts show a willingness to sacrifice their own prized possessions to express the depth of their love for the other. Their gifts spoke not of the value of gifts, but of the value of the other in their lives. Though we may have difficulty giving and receiving gifts for Jesus, it is much simpler. Just love everyone. Give away all that you have to give, because, well, what does it matter anyway? Love the friend, the acquaintance, the stranger, because they are all children of God and worthy of love. But here, in this moment, Jesus does something entirely new, and he does it perfectly. This woman, who is nameless only to us, who may have traveled with the group and was probably known to all of them, comes to Jesus in his emptiness and exhaustion and gives him a gift. It is two gifts, really. The perfumed oil is an expensive and wonderful gift. But the anointing, loving hands that touch Jesus' face, comb his hair, soothe his soul, are beyond value. The thing Jesus does so perfectly here is he accepts her gift. Jesus lets someone give to him. He doesn't question it. He doesn't discount it. He doesn't brush it off with false humility. He relaxes into it, accepts it, and appreciates it fully. Jim and Della laughed at the odd silliness of their gifts, knowing that the motivation for giving was a profound act of love. They gave freely, and they accepted with joy. They knew the magic of giving and receiving. As O'Henry says, they are the Magi. 
Five questions for contemplation. One, what is the most wonderful gift you ever received? Two, what is the most expensive gift that you ever gave to anyone? Three, what was the best received gift you ever gave to anyone? Four, what have you learned about giving over your lifetime? And five, what have you learned about receiving? A prayer for Wednesday. O oh Lord, we are such silly creatures. We give gifts of stuff, carefully wrapped, perfectly presented. We have monetary values that we put on gifts. Everything gets a price. Yet we know the best gifts are beyond value, more wonderful than the wrapping. The best gifts are actions, words spoken with love, gentle touches of concern or compassion, moments spent with beloved people, smiles shared or shoulders offered to express the deeper love and care. Help me, O Lord, to be better at giving, at better at receiving these perfect gifts of love. Amen. <laughs>